The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Jack Newman. I'm Ben Howard. I'm Trevor Flynn. And welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. This week, we're taking a blast to the past for the re-release of Perfect Blue by Satoshi Kone. How are you guys doing this week? Are you ready to get your brains fucked? I don't know. Deeply traumatized. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I I usually uh, dislike the the term mindfuck movies, but this this one actually really freaked me out. Yeah. I did not feel okay after this. uh, Yeah. This is your first time seeing it, right, Ben? Yes. Yes. Holy shit, screen. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. 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 This is actually, I'm actually glad I went and saw this in theaters because I've never seen a Satoshi Kone movie in theaters. I always wanted to see Paprika, but never saw it. I, I mean, I came to Paprika like late after it because I never got to see it in theaters. So, like, mm-hmm. watching it, you know, like it animated large, like, it's just so gorgeous. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also miss, I also realized I'd never go see animated movies. Like, the last one I went and saw was like uh, Fate Stay Night, Heaven's Feel Part one uh i saw that in i literally drove to charlotte to see that it was not worth it um <laughs> but, but like you see you see like a really well animated anime on the big screen and you go god this is so gorgeous why don't i do this all the fucking time anyways but yeah yeah so today we're going to be reviewing perfect blue by satoshi Kone. a singer quits her band to become an actress and sheds her good girl image to further her career that is a terrible synopsis uh yeah, that, that makes lighten. it sound like a sitcom or something yeah 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 like like most of Satoshi Kon's films, it's it's a it's a you know it's kind of a bit of a surreal experience. Uh, it's really a, it's really the movie's more about uh, you know the character's identity and the identity the avatar that she creates for herself and her losing control of that avatar as she tries to transition her life into something else. And she you know there's also there's like a fan that stalks her who is one of the most creepily animated men. I think I've ever seen ever yeah. like just the way that he like lingers and stares and uh, I patch wolf had this, had a nice thing where he talks about that first scene where he holds up his hand and it's just, that's all you need to know about that character is the way that he views her. It's just like, mm-hmm. like he views her as an object and it's just so holy shit. Uh, but that's, that's, that, that's, that's the nice thing about these movies is it, you know, when you get into a Satoshi Kon movie, the subtlety that's in play, uh, especially in Perfect Blue is really really good. And like I would argue that Perfect Blue and Tokyo Godfathers are his best movies. Uh, especially over something like uh, we'll we'll get into this. But let's go ahead and talk to you. Let me <laughs> let me get other opinions. Uh, ben, this was your first time uh, with Perfect Blue. I know you've seen a lot of other Satoshi Kon, but uh, what did you think? Yeah, so I just want to talk real quick about like my history with Satoshi Kon, who's a guy I respect the ever living shit out of, but have kind of slowly seen his films partially because i only knew there were so many so it's one of those things like i I had the same thing with andre tarkovsky he's like one of those directors every time i see his films are so incredible that like i don't want to see because there's only seven so i'm spacing them out i got two left so this is my third and fourth i first found him when i believe it aired on toonami is where i found it maybe i just found it off netflix but uh i turned on i definitely feel like i turned on toonami one day to see paranoia agent and it starts very subtly with ah! a song yeah. that is <laughs> the loudest thing in the world. And these people laughing as like nuclear explosions go up and uh, uh, things are on fire. And I'm like, what 
is this? What am I watching? So I immediately devoured the entire series and was obsessed with it. Just like deeply obsessed with it. Happened to see Paprika where it was coming out. Um, and loved it then. And then just kind of was like, whatever happened to that guy? Only to find out much later. Of course, he died, sadly. So this is the first. Uh, and I saw Tokyo Godfathers around the same time. So this is my first time watching this Toshiko movie in general in a long time. I've watched a lot of videos about him, but not kind of sat down with the film. And uh, this film is goddamn incredible. It's 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 really... Really stunning on so many levels. I think the thing that might take away is that there's two geniuses here. I think we're going to talk a lot about Cone, and he's definitely a genius. But I also think the screenwriter, uh, Saduki Murai, is also really doing something very interesting. And I was really blown away. This is a movie from 1997, and it deals with things like internet stalkers and mm-hmm. the idea of fandom taking over the someone's image and feeling like you don't uh, have an identity anymore. One of the creepiest images in this movie for a movie with violent, violent murder scenes, is actually this the scene that really freaked me out is just the scene where the the stalker, Me Mania, which I guess there was some kind of like clearly there was some kind of pun thingy kind of going on with that. It's it's um, it's there's a pun in Japanese. Uh, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. yeah. Um and uh he starts he's like has a fake blog of hers, uh, which is already fascinating, and then he starts speaking in her voice. And I wanted to die. <laughs> it was so yeah, scary. Yeah. This yeah. idea of of having your identity completely taken away from you and this idea of this avatar haunting you and your past haunting you and, and what people want out of you versus what you want for your life. And it deals with like the, all these crazy things like the way we sexualize actresses and they have to do rape scenes to be serious. And like it's got an incredible sequence where they are. I've never seen a movie where they deal with what it's like to film a rape scene, which is crazy to see, not just in an animated movie, but any movie. So um, I'm going to talk a lot about Cohen because it's like as an editor, he's just like unbelievable. Like, yeah, my yeah. God, you couldn't even make this movie until like now he's doing so many cr- clever things that you would need like complicated digital editing and complicated special effects to pull off um there's a reason this is animated even if it sounds like a film that could have been done in live action it's really not which is what's really impressive about it and it's just a film that is really i just really really appreciate a psychological horror that really gets in that headspace and really gets that point where you're losing time and you're kind of feeling that feeling of of isolation and fear and confusion um so I was just blown away. I thought it was a masterpiece. Yeah, and it's and it's important to note that there are several directors, live action later on, that took inspiration from it. Perfect Blue specifically, uh, like Aronofsky and Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan. Yeah. Though neither film comes close to this, but it's it's, it's and famously he to... bought the rights to Blue Perfect Blue so he could use shots and not get sued for it. Yeah, I saw that. Right, right, right. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and they reference that they reference that amazing tub scene, um, which I which I I have to admit, if it, it's there's something like if I was ever like a big name director, there are so many anime scenes that I would just like fucking try oh, to reshoot. Steal just, all you want. This yeah, is I know. It's, like, <laughs> all movies be, are be, stolen. Do it. <laughs> I know. I, I I saw like I have to admit, there was one of those things that like maybe like people like gave Darren Aronofsky shit for that, and I was like, no, that's like that makes me like him like a zillion times better. Yeah. Like that he What's has. Funny about like, that, that is. I was this artistic know, talking history. to my girlfriend and I come in to see this and it's like oh, it's kind of like Black Swan and I you know I, I, <laughs> I forgot that it Black Swan was you very bitch. consciously influenced by it uh, much less that <laughs> which scene was it because I couldn't remember or see from 
a comment online. Oh, it's the it's the scream scene, the where she's like under the water. And she screams bastards. That's that's the oh, scene that's done yeah. directly okay. in Requiem for a Dream. There's a yeah. right after oh, okay. a really yeah. harrowing moment, Jennifer Conley screams underwater. Yeah. I also frankly, thought whenever like the, you and, see the all the images of um Mini Me or what her idol name is. Uh, on the stalker guy's wall talking. There's something like that that happens in Black oh. Swan kind of too. I yeah. Think. Yes, well, there is. I, There's like pictures that take life and, and yeah. yeah, like art that kind of starts moving and stuff like that. Yeah. And and you have to take into account, like I think that we're not selling too on how surreal the actual, because there's a secondary plot here. There's the woman, identity, and the stalker, but there's also like the, like the movie blind, like double blind is in and of itself its own story and how she begins to lose grip on her reality as she tries to remake her imagery and also the use of bread and other thing, other things here. Uh, at the same time, like it's really freaky to me to watch other things and see like the source, you know, the source writ large. So you have like, for instance, in, yeah, I'm not, no, I don't know where I'm going with this. Sorry, I lost my way. There's a lot of some things. <laughs> There's a lot. In There's there. a lot. Yeah, you yeah. like kind you of like, mentioned like three least... different things. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So like, I there's too much to too much to pour on. All right. So which direction do you want to head in with this review then? Because we, you know, I think I think undoubtedly, well, I, 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 I definitely want to hear from because you guys are more entrenched in anime than I am. I'm I'm not a neophyte, but I definitely am not up to date on things, and I I kind of watch the major stuff, and I mainly focus on films and stuff. So I know yeah. this is from Madhouse, who's a beloved person so i'm curious with the animation because it is really interesting to compare this animation from paprika which looks so different and i don't know if that is a budget thing or if there really were animation strides that japan made in between this because at the beginning yeah i could tell that they definitely saved money at the beginning because yeah. there's a lot of stiffer animation there's not much happening i was like oh yeah boy yeah. this is gonna be rough but then once it gets into the more surreal stuff you're like oh this is what he's saving for and the final sequence where she's chasing herself but it's a person being herself and it like switches in between like that's all so incredibly animated so yeah. clearly there's talent here and they were saving it but i'm just curious in general overall i felt like the animation took such a stride from this to paprika why I'm glad you is brought that? that up because I, that's kind of something I wrestled like you were saying with the stiff scenes in the beginning I was like oh yeah this is old and uh, particularly for bringing my uh, girlfriend who had never seen I don't know if she's ever seen a feature anime film this old before she kind of wasn't a fan of the um, absence of faces a lot and kind of yeah. what looked like shortcuts right. like that. But at the same time, you know, I'm reading I, essays online saying, oh, but the crowd is like this homogenous mass of faceless people on Twitter. Right. I'm like, oh, I would probably agree of, with that. Intentionally. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a defense where they were being lazy, but it also works. Yeah. And I think that's, those are the kind of lazy moments that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, could tell, admit, I could tell it was a mix of both. Like, I think if they were going for that, but I also think, yeah, it's like, well, if we don't animate faces in this, we say like, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. I don't know. More than that. Probably, a but, a lot. A lot Faces actually time. kind of move a lot, too, just in terms of the characterization and character design. Uh, Rumi has really far apart eyes for oh, kind of, it's kind of off-putting, I guess, to suggest that she's not classically attractive and that that's uh, Yeah, that, that might be my one nitpick of this movie is that Rumi just felt like a little bit like from the beginning is is drawn so weird and alienish that yeah. like uh, and then from profile uh, sometimes I want to say I, I want to say that that's probably this movie's strength because I do think some of the animation stuff is coming back here. One of the, the first thing is it's weird to me to go back to any uh, animated movie past like 
pre 2000 like 10 because i get like this nostalgic vibe when i go back and watch something like this oh yeah so there's even, certain there's something about it yeah it's very yeah you just it pops it pops mm-hmm. out and it's just like something like you can tell this is like hand animation days something that even paprika doesn't do like the like the insert of digital or like digital processing is, mm-hmm. is like and paprika is not heavily digital paprika is like a really good mix mash of the both but you no, can but tell you can the feel it in play yeah, yeah you That's can feel it in the smoothness and the transitions and paprika is beautiful don't get me wrong but like perfect blue just has this like anime smack to it that's just like ah, that's the good stuff yeah give me that. <laughs> yeah and i, and the, I, I think that, 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 that kind of era from like akira to like yeah yeah later. yeah yeah where it's like where it's like you, you're like it's like oh look at all those sweat and tears and dead bodies that went to <laughs> into making this look at that minimum wage <laughs> oh, uh, jerk it to the to the line of dead japanese animators that went into doing oh, this no. god yeah no i uh I think I think that that's one of the things too that like you know as over time we've lost and it's weird to me to recognize that the style is heavily rooted in what the fuck can I get away with not animating <laughs> like and it's weird <laughs> to watch such a good movie and such a high quality production and recognize that there's definitely is like you know a lot of this stuff is designed by shortcut and that's mm-hmm. just the nature of animation at the time period uh at the same time it's fucking gorgeous and i think that especially in the design of even rumi i think that's very purposeful that they like these people no offense these people know how to design a good character and the the fact that she is different i think is very purposefully done like you know everything's more surreal so like they still give her that classical bright like wide-eyed japanese anime look but it's crossed with this thing that makes everything seem a little bit surreal which i think is to the movie's credit a little bit yeah, another way um, besides the animation that I was thinking of, you know, just going back to this film. So, I mean, part of the re-release, I guess, was also I mean, to get back to the animation for a minute because there was a new digital print was part of the reason this happened. I think, I, I, you know, but yeah, the, uh, G Kids is uh, released, which is like a sort of independent um, animation. Yeah, digital. I was Blu-ray like, G Kids, what is this? This isn't, yeah. Yeah, they they they've been kind of snap. They've been kind of doing what um, places like Arrow Video and Criterion do, but Criterion and Arrow Video don't do much animation. So G Kids kind of was like, there's a lot of these great classic yeah. cult animated films that don't get good releases because mm-hmm. they're yeah. kind of viewed as a lower art form by uh, these it, houses. It, English releases. Uh, yeah, and English especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they're they're definitely more uh, like you know English speaking world based. There are there are there are. Uh, Japanese, very Japanese-based versions of this, uh, and because like people fight over. Th- I know that people fight over getting like certain kinds of Blu-rays imported of Perfect Blue, um, and like Angel's Egg, which you cannot fucking buy in the U.S. <laughs> and it's and it's and it is still an all-time ten movie for me. So I really wish the people would go and watch Angel's Egg. You you remember Angel's Egg doing the like it was really heavily influenced in Dark Souls. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend that uh, because it's almost impossible to have seen. I think it's uh, I think it's it's, it's, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube now. Yeah, God but but G Kids really? are the ones who brought only yesterday back because like that was the film that was only available ah. in Japan. Um, that was the Takahara movie that was only available mm-hmm. in Japan forever because it was like Ghibli got this view of like oh it's the whimsical fantasy people you know and then yeah. there's this movie yeah. that's like about yeah. modern day kids and they're like i don't know how to market it so it never got imported over mm-hmm. here so yeah. those are the it's kind of films watch. we're kind of looking yeah. for yeah 
it's uh yeah it's, it's some sometimes the stuff that doesn't get imported is 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 pretty good though like like what was the show that was coming out this fall trevor that was like where there was like you know these yakuza's that were forced to have sex change operations and made into an oh, idol yeah, no unit. one wanted to pick that shit up Nope. Uh, I think I think one of the things that does depress me sometimes, and this is a big thing, is that modern anime shows are. Uh, we have some good stuff that's out. There is some really good stuff that comes out right now, but it's few. It's not few and far between. It's it's more stagger stepped. And there's stuff out right now, like there's a shonen show, Boku no Hero, that we love, but there's nothing out of the same quality of something like this. And it's just one of those things that's kind of sad sometimes. Well, this is a feature film, too, from someone who is very much hailed and remembered as an anime auteur. I mean, that's very different. But the the thing now is that the the industry has become so mercenary, it makes productions like this incredibly difficult to pull through. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, like Redline pretty much bankrupted Mount Madhouse at one point. And I I love Redline. It's Mm -hmm. just one of those things where you know that, like, like they are almost gone. And it's also these things where you talk about the director more now in association with studios because Madhouse can spit out really terrible animes now. And that's because there's like... Yeah, they never did because it was there was like an individual Madhouse team and now it's more like, you know, there's six or seven people working at different studios that Madhouse brings together as a production staff. And so it depends on who's Madhouse is bringing in to do the particular things. So that's the thing is like it does not matter anymore who the studio is, which is really weird because there's so many more hands involved in how production happens now. It's funny which you is say a lot that. of things like, that people when the Madhouse logo came up, which all of Satoshi Kon's films were or, or madhouse so like i used to know that but, it, but i was like oh yeah madhouse this is it's like that positive association i used to have <laughs> the, with you back when like the, i'd always seen yeah well, they had a great you know? 2000s too because they had this and they metropolis and uh millennium actress and the girl lived through time and i'm just oh girl who lived through time red yeah. line they had a lot of really really interesting films <laughs> during that era. there's they they have an amazing in shokugeki they have like whenever somebody does like really really good like a really good dish like at the pinnacle of the series they make movie joke references about it and they have this thing um where this girl makes like really really good soba where it's like did i eat it it's already gone how did it's gone i don't remember eating it and they called it the soba that leapt through time it's i fucking love that show (laughs) it's pretty great (laughs) there's some there's some other there's some other there's like a diehard movie reference for food and it's really it's good it's he's like it's so warming it's like you're fighting on the 27th floor of the nakatomi tower and i'm like really anime you're gonna make this reference (laughs) so i love i love shokugeki but anyways the point uh, i think the issue that i wanted to say as i'm loving shokugeki is that they don't really make much like this anymore and it's really sad and sad that we don't give time to creators to do stuff like this um yeah, that's what i've been talking about with people it's sort of interesting about the difference because uh i was talking about like are there anime blank checks and i'm like i think there definitely are and and, and the people who do it's it's time really what it comes down yeah. to more than budget it's like yeah it's the same way that I feel like the movie Boyhood is a blank check, even though it costs $4 million. It doesn't sound a lot of paper. The blank check, though, is going into IFC and saying, hey, I'm going to film a movie, and it's going to be ready in 12 years. Yeah, uh, that's, that's insane. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. And so when Miyazaki is able to... And, and I was reading, like Miyazaki basically had like a, uh, for most of his most of his career, had like a basically a patron. He just had a company that was paying for all of his movies. And right, like, mm-hmm. right. Uh, and, and that's sort of what is interesting is like, to to have that ability and the same thing with your name it's like that was like how does your name look so incredibly animated he's like he just worked on it forever like that's all it comes down <laughs> yeah to. it's like yeah time and time and time and like it, it's and, the same and, thing you hear about nintendo with like the mario games it's like it's just it all comes down to time and and i think that's something and, 
you're right that if if the if the people are becoming hungry and want eight million shows a year, like you're just not going to have the time unless you're doing something that's a big big deal. Yeah, which is the thing is that most anime productions like they're animating the show the week it comes out. Like that's that's how mm-hmm. most anime production works, and that's just the show based thing. So doing something like a movie is definitely a huge investment. But also like you know you look at kind of like you know Studio Ghibli doesn't is not realistic to the rest of the anime industry, which is the guys that we look at because their studio essentially just runs whenever. But it's it's funny to see that it, like it struggles financially so much when mm-hmm. Miyazaki's not there. Like there are so many secondary Studio Ghibli productions that just have not done well in Japan or otherwise, and that they like you know his son wanted to animate a movie and like he was like and like Miyazaki was just I don't know Miyazaki in interviews kind of sounds a little bit like an asshole <laughs> like, he's fascinating because uh, yeah. he hates it he's like so miserable he's like he makes the loveliest films and he's just like this is a nightmare <laughs> don't ever <laughs> do this <laughs> oh there's the famous I don't one care. now I don't anime care, was but... a mistake right <laughs> it was a mistake yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah that was oh god is Sometimes, that a real quote I, he, I, I think it, no I think that was just like a a, a parody of his style, but it's very accurate. No, it's his... very, it's very accurate to him. Just like looking at the camera, like, oh God, do you really have to do this now? Like, it's why every time he like he gets he's retired, and now because I thought he was retired again, and now I was like, oh no, he's got another one. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't yeah. mind, but I'm like, guy, you're gonna fall, you're gonna have a heart attack in your desk. Yeah. It's one. Of, it's one of those things too. Now with Madhouse, like Madhouse did this magical girl series that is just unbelievably terrible. Uh, but it's the the logo that comes up is like the regular like animated Madhouse logo, and it looks so different from the animation for the rest of the series because it's like Madhouse logo, cool logo intro that just they stole from another production. Then it's <laughs> magical money. girl. Uh, it's just you're just like, oh god, what the fuck happened, guys? Like. What were you? I mean, at least at least trigger when they do shit like they always have. Like, well, I guess you know we just got Darling of the Franks, so we can't talk anymore. It's, uh, but you know when they did when they did like their own like even their own harem series, like at least it had like a lot of flavor and was really 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 beautifully animated. So I don't know, but uh, so it sounds yeah. like for the most part, looking back on this film, it has aged very well for you. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it did for me just in terms of the story because, like I said, I thought it was very interesting that a lot of the stuff they're talking about is stuff that I didn't feel like most directors were really dealing with until much later. And I wonder if that is just part of, like, I know Japan just got the internet a little bit earlier than a lot of most people. Like, Japan and Korea famously are much better wired than America is. and uh, Or if it's just the specific way they deal with fame. But it is something very interesting about the fact that it's this film about identity in particular like a digital avatar in a sense that this like digital version of you that everyone thinks is the perfect version of you and like this idea that this fan can't let it go that she's like different you know so like when she takes like these pornographic shots he goes and like buys every single magazine he can so no one else can have her and like he doesn't even like the idea of her being tarnished it's like he doesn't even want to sexualize her in a way Mm -hmm. though obviously he tries to rape her later but which actually doesn't make much sense is maybe one of my only criticisms it doesn't doesn't. yeah i would say that was a mistake choice i i I get what they're trying to do but i think that we already dealt with rape enough in the film and well yeah that's where where i do see the criticism some people had that it's like 
overly violent and sexual. Yeah. I think the violence is appropriate and the sexuality is appropriate, but that's the one scene I would agree with you, Trevor. Is like, well, I'll, I'll, he would he would definitely attempt to kill her, and I see no problem with that. I just see like I just see it being very like sacrificial, almost mm-hmm. like he's trying to kill a lamb and not sexual in nature because he isn't sexual in nature. Yes. Like he's and that's and that's that's I mean he's that's, trying to preserve po- this ultimate pop image of her as this right bubbly. right non-sexualized uh there is an argument though that like she is so separated the person he's murdering at that point is so separated from the image of her and he's trying to end her and she's unassociated with i think there's also an even darker apology um you know explanation there that he views her as soiled so that she can't possibly be associated. And it's oh, because of that. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, yeah that's, a, that. that's a, that's a, I, I can get, I, my point is I, I agree with you, Ben, that it's probably not like, that's probably like the, I, I, I what it's one of those things where, where, where is the tree too far in this movie? Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm just like, I mean, I'm sure they hit it at some point, but like, yeah. At the same time, like, I can totally see the directorial honesty in saying, like, no, this eventually, like, usually stalkers like this usually end up uh, coming to some sort of justification for the for the sexualization of it. Because it is it is it is, you know, it, like it's still even though it is, you know, she is an, a, a generalized infantilized like. like infantilized yeah. topic for him like you know it still is psychosexual in nature yeah right yeah and, I, a, and I think that and yeah. i think maybe the rape is more like a dominance thing than a sexual thing of just like right a, right right yeah it's like yeah more but it's very a, critical of a, like i mean not what first comes to my mind to say is otaku culture but as like when people are writing about it that's how they refer to the criticism that's happening there with the um the pop idol sensation kind of yeah i mean i well, I, I thought of like a similar one of just like of of people who take like star wars too far you well, know what right. i mean like yeah yeah like, yeah i you know me and jack may disagree but jack doesn't want to kill ryan johnson he just thinks he didn't right, not right. make that movie right but i've seen people who literally say like I can't believe I'm saying this, but I wish he died. I saw someone write that. And I'm like, how? How do you feel that way about yeah. a person who made a fucking movie? How can you be that? Like, Yeah, that's gross. I understand I being mean, disappointed. I understand hating the movie. I understand hating the director. But like, wanting him to be dead is just like so. And that's what it, I think they're really getting at is like this weird disassociative where you're like, he doesn't know Mimi as a person. He doesn't understand her own struggles that she's going through and like her own. There, That's what I do like about this film. It's about her specifically yeah. it's not about him stalking her you know it is yeah a film entirely about her she's not just a victim and she's dealing with her own identity issues of like trying to become this person but feeling really gross about these horrible th- these things she has to do to get there and like being tortured in her own way and and he doesn't you know recognize that you know it's all part of somebody's life and that it doesn't exist outside of you know it does exist outside of his world he's created which is part of like the makes it so interesting like yeah so creepy and so yeah. so which which also which is also why i like how subtle the ending is in her quiet affirmation to herself in her car like that's mm-hmm. yeah that's so that's that's uh, how things are won I, I i really like that i don't know i i like it too i don't think it's one of the subtler points in the film i think it's a little oh, bit yeah, like yeah, 80s fair. freeze that's frame fair. Kind of like <laughs> it's okay and roll. I think she's she's had such a bad time. I think she deserves a yeah yeah. I, I, I get it. I I I agree, but it's also like it's definitely like how 
like there's no falling action in Redline because like yeah. they're out of money. <laughs> like, that's that's, yeah. that's 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 what you're seeing there. In my opinion, mm-hmm. is like it's like freeze frame. We're out of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're out of money. <laughs> no epilogue. <laughs> yeah, that those murder scenes were real expensive. <laughs> they were really impressive murder scenes. My God, they were really. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Ooh, it comes off all these years later is kind of prescient, both in terms of. Um, like Ben was saying, like toxic fandoms, although I think, um, you know, the fandom is more explicitly in Japanese pop culture, more about, um, you know, the elevation of a particular person as an icon than like what we've come to. I mean, it's very similar, certainly. Um, and also after, um, I I think it's, it's kind of timeless in terms of how it's attempting to deconstruct male gaze and uh, the shadow of the Me Too movement, obviously. Um, mm. I, I'm is uh, that's stretching. That's I'm sorry. I can see the Me Too stuff, well, at least in terms of like that she has to do this rape scene and no one kind of thinks about. And that's what kind of bothered me her, more. You know? I think the first time I watched the movie and didn't make as much sense to me as much as this time. I mean, they, it's it's very metaphorically that the industry is predicated on the like desires of, of men and the, and the persuasion of, of men in the, in the culture, like making that decision and, and forcing her into that situation, which yeah, if isn't necessarily directly me too correlated, I, like it's kind of stretching. You could say it's metaphor. Like it's still part of the same male gaze. still part of no, the same I, feminist I, argument. I, maybe I, I, I don't, I, I really I really don't think and this is me I don't feel like there's a huge feminist vein in this movie. Yeah. I think that Satoshi Kon is really interested in the sources of identity and while it does pop up and the abuse of the actress is definitely like this like I don't think this movie's point is by no stretch feminism. In my, I think a lot of people mind. read it that way though. And I, I can I know and then the read is definitely there. I just I, I when I read this film, I just there's so much going on identity wise and about her choosing right. her identity. And and yeah, the pressures of society to do things that you don't want to do, but at the same really, time. Really I like, agree with you. I think those are all the sub themes and the, the you know, his main theme in this movie, the same as his obsession in his career is more Right. right. Are you sure you weren't just dreaming? Which is a really on the nose yeah. line that happens right, somewhere. Right, in there. right, right. Yeah. yeah. Which is Satoshi Kone. And that's yeah. why like my that's why like any like subtextual reading of like the Me Too movement, uh I don't see the Me Too presence here because yeah, he's commenting on like I don't think he's commenting on the rapes. I think the rape scene is more about her okay that sounds really weird um no it's less it's less about the male gaze like it's weird to see it and definitely it draws all these conversations out and i like that but i think that it's about her transformation and her like because like for me like the rape scene isn't always unempowering sort of a little bit uh because it crosses that line between and i think the whole point here is that the character is in two different states one where she is disempowered and one where she is empowered based upon like you know the the personality that she's choosing do you know what i mean yeah but like it's male society that forces her into that choice right that's that's where i would say it is because like because yeah the dichotomy between between um 
between innocence and and sexual experiments. Uh, experiments. Yeah, yeah. Like, but those and are the two states. To be like an actress to be mature, you have to do something. That's really fair. That that, that is that, that's that's sexual. directly on the nose. I'll agree with that. I yeah, think that's, that's where that's, the that's, feminist reading is most strong. But I agree with you. That right. Because I think essentially that the two things that she has to do to prove she's mature is do a rape scene and shoot herself naked. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's what she has to prove that she's like an adult yeah. now who wants to be a serious actress. It's like. This is, I do think there is some commentary there. I agree it's maybe not the entire point, but I think he is touching on this idea that we, that sexuality is tied into maturity for women necessarily. Um, Which is to me probably a bigger thrust for him, but I agree with you that it's definitely pointed at the female. But it's hard to separate from me, like what's obviously like a negative thing. Like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the idol industry in Japan is something that I'm really glad never fucking came over here. Like it's not, it's not something we've adapted ever really seriously. Especially like Like, K-pop and things like that. When I hear Peter talk about it, it's very fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's, but it's even its own perception of itself is that it's been a meat grinder since it's existed. Like there was never a Mm -hmm. point where it's like, we, we just have a pure you know no one thinks of it as like a pure industry like there's the secondary gravier industry and all this other stuff and it's just like a meat grinder of yeah, yeah like the, the closest thing i could think of to america would be like wrestling where like everyone knows it's fake and like they choose who's the people who become famous and everything like but yeah. it's not as i don't know wrestling has its own problems but it's not in that weird sort of right I, I, wrestling for me is not a out style yeah, wrestling for me is in a better place. I don't know why. Like wrestling never makes me feel as uncomfortable as like idol pop shows do. You know? No, it does, like, I agree. It yeah. totally <laughs> yeah. Wrestling for for whatever reason because it's like wrestlers big, tend strong. to get along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like they, you can t- you can see him leaving the arena and they all go get get a goddamn beer. You know? Yeah, my <laughs> brother like... my brother worked uh, WrestleMania when it was in Houston and he said like yeah everyone was super nice to each other backstage. It was really fun. Yeah, no, I, I I can imagine them getting all set up and it's just having a lot of fun with it. So yeah, whereas it's the um, difference. It's like it's a non-sexualized industry versus a highly sexualized. I mean, they're kind of sexualized, but like not in the same way. Yeah, the the thing I wanted to just talk about before we end on this is is as an editor, like I see why so many editors really love Satoshi Kon. He really does try to push, particularly um, match cuts. He starts the film with match cuts in a very interesting way. We, um, not match on action, but sort of match on movement, which yeah. is really mm-hmm. interesting. And in particular, the sequence, the sort of take one, take two, take three sequence, where it's she's constantly cutting in between her real life and the TV life, and you don't know if the TV is her real life or her fake life. And, and it doesn't make sense. She, Can we just all agree on that? Like to be clear, oh, absolutely. Like, and that's that's the whole kind of yeah. point of that sequence is that none of it it's all in a perfect kind of surreality, which I think is often yeah. the best. There's yeah. never like a, a very clear moment where you're like, this is reality. Yeah. And that's why I think it really works because I was sitting there myself going, ah, I couldn't mm-hmm. make it stop. Yeah. I was like, her, yeah. I'm like, just settle. <laughs> like, ah. I don't, I'd also like to point out how purposeful that is because match cuts in anime are even harder than a live action exactly, match yeah. cut. Like he goes out of his way to like, cause that's the thing is that the people that were animating those two separate things practically had to be the same person looking at the other one to match it up that perfectly to get that match cut effect. Like it's, yeah, it is. You better have to shoot some reference. Live and again, footage. by yeah. match cut for my edification, y'all are, it means, um, matching the next frame to the previous match, frame. match on oh, action match motion, on action yeah. so what it is is like so let's say that you reach like you know there's a shot there's two different angles of shots and you cut when somebody's reaching over and you see him reaching over in the next shot mm-hmm. so like the action 
is also is hiding the cut essentially or not always hiding but We're kind of you know, flowing into it or yeah it, it looks when you it, when you see it psychologically it just makes right. sense yeah. you know like it's just right. like it looks it, you can it, ma- it makes you, you could notably you can match like jack says that like, you do more literal like where you can like he says you reach for the cup next shot i'm grabbing the cup or you can match um, sort of uh, figuratively. So one of the most famous right. is in Lawrence of Arabia. He's holding a match. It's literally the match cut. He's holding a match on fire. He goes, he blows it out, cut to the desert sun, yeah. right where the match I, was. And it's like always, more of a visual sort of uh, thematic cut. I love that you have like, and, and I, I just love you, Ben, and you're right, but you go to Lawrence of Arabia and not 2001 A Space Odyssey because the bone is undeniably... The, that's pretty the famous. Match. That's true. That's yeah, I'm, that's I, I'm like that's undeniable. I like no, but I just like you're like you're so you're like a cool editor because you you have like a better one. That's what I'm <laughs> well known I'm in the gun barrel, and I, I appreciate. I'm not trying to call you like an couple. editor hipster, but that's like couple. really cool. I think what you're saying <laughs> is that Ben isn't a hack. Is that is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that, no, I just no, I'm giving him I'm giving him credit because I would have totally gone for the bone, and the bone is like the yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. You're right. You're yeah. right. The bone is the one. Yeah. I even watched 2001 so yeah, on a Space and, Odyssey, and, like and I, I know he, the freaking bone. <laughs> so at the beginning, he's matching more on movement, where like she'll turn like to the left, right. for example, and then in the supermarket, she's turning to the left, too. And what that does is kind of create a good sense of her life, fake life. You know what I mean? Like real mm-hmm. reality. Yeah. And yeah. showing how it's starting already to merge in that sense. And right. then it plays off later, obviously, when he's... Uh, I guess Rumi is the one who's technically spying on him. I don't know if it's. Te- I guess we never know if it's the guy or Rumi or both who are spying on her. They both but are. Later when I he think, talks about Rumi's the yeah. one that yeah. writes the blog. When he is yeah, because she kind of feeds her him the information, right? Yeah. So, but like so later when you see that and then you realize you were watching it. That's the other thing this film does very well, and it's something that again would wouldn't happen till later. So again, I'm like, wow, did, <laughs> mm-hmm. did Michael Haneke see Blue, Blue Perfect Blue too? Because there's a great thing they do which always works for me, which is you never know when you're watching something on a video screen. You'll be watching a cut and you think it's a normal cut, essentially, or a normal edit, and then it will reverse. And you're like, oh, I'm watching on a TV screen, or it'll zoom out. And it's like, and it's something that the movie Cachet does really well as well. There'll be these really long shots and you think they're film, and then they cut back a level and your reality is kind of shifted at that moment. You're like, wait, okay, now I'm actually someone who was watching this the entire time and who's watching it. And like, it's just a very simple edit but a very effective way to kind of mess with the way we view films. Because even though we're always watching a film, when you realize that it's a video, you're adding a kind of a second layer of reality to it. And it kind of puts you back for a second. And it's a great disorientation technique that uh, I was really cool to see. Like, mm-hmm. And again, I'm like, before Cachet, I thought that was the one that did it. Damn it. Good job. <laughs> like, it's just very impressive, all the, all the levels of creativity that Cohn had and the way he thought about sort of breaking frames or – or, or cutting in a way that kind of disoriented the viewer without making it Transformers, <laughs> you know, where it's just not chaotic and confusing. But uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, Taken's a better one. Transformers I, is editing I, gets a bad rap. Uh, Taken's worse. I, <laughs> Taken I, I, it is. Worse. 
I would I would say that both of those have less purpose of editing, whereas this is like very purposefully driven. Like all the cuts have secondary metaphorical and like, metaphorical reasons for existing, and that's the dedicatedly like, storyboarded this out. Like you, can there's tell. no reason for Transformers to be cut the way it is. Like that's, that's just that's yeah, that's true. It's a little that's, too much. that's that's the big point here that I like. I think is the big criticism of Transformers is that like yeah, that editing style is totally fine, but there's no reason the giant robot movie is cut that way. Well, your point about Transformers 3 was always good. It's like they were forced to have to cut less in that final scene, and it's much better. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, I love that. that. I love that that, one's, that one bridge fight, I swear to God, makes me so upset. It's, it's like the most upsetting bit in Transformers because it's like Leonard Nimoy is like Leonard Nimoy and the Optimus Prime actor are like, they're just like, they're, sh- they're Shakespeareaning at each other. Like, they're like, oh, <laughs> they're what about humanity? And, like, and it's actually like, it's so like B-plot movie and amazing and I love that sequence and then you know they just and then he murders both of them and tra- and like you know Optimus Prime doesn't give a fuck and just straight up murders yeah, he two like bros. flosses with his spinal cord right oh no it's 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 brutal because like the dude he's is like, like begging down. for his life it's horrible yeah, and he like begs for his life and he just like shoves a gun in his mouth and blows his brains out and you see all like the robot spinal fluid shoot everywhere right, it's, it's horrible so it's so, it's so weird that mo- I have to admit that moment that, that it's the movie is unbelievably dumb but that that sequence is really cool i'm sorry <laughs> no and I, I, I appreciate you telling me that because i did watch it and i was like he's not wrong it's, it's better it's better <laughs> yeah closer because they just they just they just they did it on a bridge and they had to pull the camera back for whatever reason and it's so good it may also just be by the time you've watched all the way through that movie and you get to like the pulled out camera it's just like your motion sickness starts to wear off and you're like holy <laughs> fuck Oh, Your brain so starts to better. focus like it's supposed yeah. to, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, one I can my favorite, follow this order of sequences. One, one of my favorite good place jokes is still the cologne that makes you smell like, smell like Transformers makes you feel. How do you smell loud and confusing? <laughs> <laughs> great joke. Oh, I love that's that great one. Joke. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's that's a that's a that's a staff writer that uh, is also wants to be an editor. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a movie fan right there. Yeah. I always like when I see like a, a joke in one of those things. I'm like, you're a real movie nerd. Like, there was like a joke about Showa in Parks and Rec, and Showa is like a nine hour long Holocaust documentary. I'm like, how'd you oh, fit dude. that in? The I, giant... Who would know that? But nerds like me, that is weird. Yeah. The Diane Weiss joke in Brooklyn. That's Nine-Nine. great. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, which is also like almost all the main characters' favorite joke in the whole like five seasons is the Diane Weiss joke opening. <laughs> also, a joke that's very funny because of the editing. The 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 yeah, zoom ins are very funny. Yeah, <laughs> you got to give like a uh, Sandberg like credit. He can't hold a he can't hold a. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's actually tough yeah. to do stone face. That's a it's a yeah. tough thing. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and score this bad boy. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and get started with uh, you, Trevor. Oh, sorry of that. Okay. So I gotta get some stuff out of the way. I've been kind of meaning to tell you this whole time. Actually, I um, I don't know. You hated it or something? <laughs> Say what? Is this, is this when you're like, oh, I hated it? I'm like, oh god, ah, <laughs> yeah. six gods. Yeah. Uh, hated what? it first time I saw it like ten years ago. Still hate it. Oh, uh, okay. Definitely not. A no. Good. Okay. No. Um. <laughs> I don't think it aged for me as well, partly be, though, seriously, because, um, and 
I, I feel like this will make you discount everything else I say, Jack. But I want to get out of the way. I, I looked on the internet before and I was like, oh, maybe the dub might be okay. And I, you know, it was the only way I could go see it in the theater with my girlfriend is if we went to the dub that it would work. And it was not good. Um, it's not terrible, but it definitely um, didn't play well for her. And like, I also the whole, the whole time was a little bit like, eh, it's not terrible, which I realize is just my experience of dubs. Like, okay, well, this isn't a terrible dub. It's still not good. <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, par for the uh, course. And I'm used to, like, you, tolerating right, Trevor, it. And she isn't, you you so. have watched it subbed, right? I have watched it subbed. The first time I watched okay. it was subbed. Yeah. Okay, so you, okay, cool. As long as you've watched it subbed. That's Part of it, too, was the theater I saw it in. Um, there were a couple guys um, when we were buying our tickets that she was like, I know they're going to see our movie because, uh, I mean, they had like, uh, one of them had, you know, an anime shirt or something and we get in there and these guys like kind of laughed a lot through the whole thing. And, um, oh, yeah. And awful. yeah, it, so, so I had some people laugh at some weird moments and I was, that was weird. Well, and, and yeah. part of it undermines, you know, obviously the emotion of the experience because you can see from their perspective how maybe a moment is so dramatic that it's funny, but also a really cynical part of me was like, this movie is about you people. <laughs> it's about you otaku right. people that can't handle this <laughs> kind bit. of shit. This reality, <laughs> like it's it's this movie is for you. <laughs> like fuck off. Um, which in a way elevates my appreciation of the movie. But in another sense, I think uh, one of the things I really valued about it back in college is that just the sheer mind fuckery of it and now that I've seen more of his films and seen more surreal surreal films and other films that this inspired such as Black Swan I think the kind of um if you've read like Neil Gaiman's Sandman I want to call it like the like ceaseless waking kind of sequence where she doesn't know if she's in a dream in reality because it's that she keeps waking up and from like nightmare after nightmare or scene after scene over and over again. The fact that that doesn't actually make sense and her descent into madness is just totally surreal and ceases to have like, it's not a train you of thought you can follow if you know what I mean. And I guess, um, you know, I, the way I was recalling the film all this time are those shots where, oh, it's, it's, it's in the movie and it all, it all ties into the TV show that she's doing. And, oh, this shot makes so much sense. And, how, and I still enjoy that a lot, but I remember it being a lot more, um, oh, you didn't see this, like kind of like a gotcha moment, which I don't, it, 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 it sounds implicitly like I'm valuing more. I'm not. It was just a very different experience this time watching it. So it's hard for me to put a rating on it, especially since it was, I think, overall such a more negative experience than it was the first time, not only just for the theater I was in, but also going to see the dub. Like, that's part of it, honestly. So I guess it would be like, <laughs> my if I were to score it, knowing it's a classic, it would be an amalgamation of like both my experiences seeing it and be like a 7.5. I just, I'm in I, a really weird emotional place with this between my two different viewings of it. And the fact that I really do love Satoshi Kon and know this is like his like seminal work I would still rather watch, you know, maybe Paprika again, or Tokyo Godfathers is kind of completely different from a lot of the other themes that he does. But I mean, that one's still my favorite, but I'm rambling now. I'll let y'all take it. On yeah. Ben, you're up next. Yeah. So it's sort of interesting that uh, Trevor had this and 
that he's sort of now he's seen more of mo- movies that kind of have taken from Perfect Blue and gone back, and that's certainly something that happens a lot with with sort of the first film you see a uh, uh, Fight Club effect, if you will. <laughs> Still like Fight Club. I don't think it's a masterpiece anymore. Yeah, fifteen-year-old like me. <laughs> yeah, wants that's to fair. <laughs> that's a good. That's a fair it's, it's comparison. Good. I like that. It's a good movie, but yeah, you know, <laughs> seen better <laughs> since then. Um, but it's sort of interesting because I watched this and, and knowing all those films that I've seen since was really felt like it was a step above a lot of them. I really do think this is doing a lot of what Darren Aronofsky wants to do and a lot of what. Uh, I don't want to say Lynch. That just kind of is in his own thing. But a lot of like directors who kind of came out after Lynch is trying to do, trying to make these kind of surreal films that that challenge identity in a lot of ways. And I think for me, the script is really what also pushed it over the top. Um, I, I just think it was really incredible that not just because it was 1997, but that it's still a very telling tale about identity and about the way that we have given up a lot of our identities, particularly people who are notable or famous uh, to, to other people. Uh, you know, you can kind of read a lot of elements in this about fan fiction. You can read a lot of this about like uh, toxic fan culture and, and all kinds of elements to it. And I just think Sakoshi Kohn is just a, a genius in terms of framing, in terms of editing, in terms of, of movement. Um, I'd probably say still the 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 four projects overall i'd say paranoia agent is my favorite just because that is such a phantasmagoria mm. insane apocalyptic screed it is one of the weirdest things now to be fair i need to rewatch it and it's just been so bared to my brain and that could be I'm a similar gonna, thing uh, with I'm trevor gonna... that like you know maybe it's a similar thing with trevor where i remember that much better than it could ever be essentially thing so um it's just the thing I've always wanted to rewatch, and I've just never gotten around to it, unfortunately, because I never found a good uh, DVD of it. Um, so, anyways, to get back to my point, I, I, I was blown away with this film. I thought it was an absolute masterpiece. So, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up there with the heights of Paddington Two and give it a ten. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it I was uh, perfect. No, I, I, I really have I have a few quibbles here or there, but I just think the overall experience was just so. So it's one of those rare movies that really just left me invigorated and, and excited about cinema after seeing it. Uh, just like it just just makes me want to watch more movies and talk more and make movies. And it's one of those films. And when you watch a lot of movies like I do, it's, it becomes rarer and rarer, sadly, just because you start to see uh, films repeat themselves. And the more you watch, the more you see the stuff. And this was this was wholly unique in a lot of ways and, and, and truly a lot of the kinds of things I like to see films do. Uh, so yeah, that's, I'm giving it perfect. Yeah, I, I'm, I am as well. And I'll defend it a little bit, uh, because I probably agree with Trevor though, that I'll watch, uh, Tokyo Godfathers and Paprika more times than I'll ever watch Perfect Blue. Uh, at the same time, it's, I completely, it's rough I mean, watch. It's right. Good. Yeah. yeah it's to be rough. fair, it is. Yeah. It was a rough watch. I do think yeah. like Ben was saying, sorry. I'm okay. No, this is my moment yeah. here and you've talked and gave it a 7.5. <laughs> so we don't want to hear from you anymore. <laughs> no more. <laughs> no more. Mr. Yeah, I don't like no. Blade Runner either. <laughs> oh my God. This All right. is, this All is right. so right. horrifying. Right. Anyways, Go but on. no, I, uh, I, I, I've been good so far. So don't, don't like interrupt me <laughs> to tell us to don't <laughs> keep justifying. I'm not going to give you an opportunity here. No, I, I think that, you know, when you look at something like Tokyo Godfathers, it has a really good feel good and is an amazing movie, but this is seminal. And I think the big thing to, to stress here is that the editing is just like, it's one of those things where it's, I, I agree with Ben. I watch this movie and I want to go make 
movies. Like, mm. and that's the thing. It's not. It's not a good anime movie. It's the. It's one of the best movies. And I think that's the difference. Where it's like Tokyo Godfathers and Paprika are great anime movies. This is a great transcendent movie. And for the time period, it does things that no one else was doing. He is truly at the time. And I think that's the thing. You got to take the cultural context of where this movie sits into that at, and into that score. And when you do that, there's no question. It's a ten. Like it is. It it did things that no one else was doing, and it's wholly influential on the rest of the industry. And it and it probed into new worlds of it. Just it it, it used the anime at the time. The only reason it was animated at the well, not I mean, that's the only reason that like, Satoshi Kon is an animator. But the reason you know he does things with it that no one else is doing. That's the cool thing when you see like you go back and watch you know, uh you know even oh god what's the one where in the they're in the wind valley and it's nausicaa yeah so when you go back and watch nausicaa they're doing something that like you know you couldn't have told that story any other way at the time and that's you know when anime is at its strongest to kind of these older movies is because you recognize they were pushing boundaries with animation and it's undoubtable here that you're telling a story uh that's that's unbelievably rough to watch and it's unpleasant and i'm probably never i'm not gonna watch this for another 10 years now <laughs> like again like you know i watched it when i was 10 and now i watched it when i was 28 and no i think it was like 15 or something yeah I 10 would be a little rough. i remember uh, no it was pretty rough at 15 bro i don't yeah. know what to tell you here uh but uh <laughs> Uh, I like I, li- I like this movie, and I think that um, it's one of those things too where I agree with you entirely, Trevor. That if I had rated it, if I had rated it just on my own remembrance of it, it was not nearly as high as when I came back to it after like studying film and studying a lot of other things mm-hmm. and reviewing hundreds of movies. And just recently, having watched Tokyo Godfathers and Paprika, mm-hmm. I can say very definitively that it is a superior it's a superior film and that the thrust of what it's going for is a greater thing than either of those films are going for mm-hmm. like i think that's it fair goes after like and that's the thing is like sometimes movies succeed or dis or fail in different sorts of ways but like sometimes a movie is trying to be not something very big this movie is going for something that's just so unbelievably and excessively bold and when it even gets there in any form or fashion it's a triumph and i think that's 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 why I think that's why it's a 10, you know, whether or not you disagree with the film as a whole or any directions or misfits about where it is with its sexual character, secondary sexual characteristics. It's sorry. The secondary sexual characteristics mean something else, but uh, <laughs> in, in, it's sexual care. It's it's or it's it, it's politics or anything else along yeah. those lines. You can't deny that this film is like in and of itself, like a triumph. Yeah, I sorry. agree with Jack 100 percent on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's 10, 7.5, and a 10. That comes out to a 9. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, per, we give the Movie Gang podcast gives Perfect Blue a 9 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> I love you. you. You can defend yourself if you want, Trevor. I'm not trying to shut you down. No, 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 no. I just, you referred back to me. So I was just um, saying, like, yeah, you're, I was just wanted to say, yeah, it definitely is a, harder watch than tokyo fathers or paprika that is just agree yeah. with you there yeah and i and i love godfathers i think i think that godfathers is my f- it's i'm gonna watch godfathers this year again already because i love that movie and it's, it's yeah charming. but like i'm also gonna watch demolition man 10 times this year so yes, what what do you like, that's a, like i'm not i'm not saying that they're up there with each other and i'm and i i don't think godfather oh, yeah, a, po- it, a, a, a podcast yeah. i listen to just just did an episode on Blade Two, and I'm gonna watch Blade Two like nine more times. Oh yeah, just in, yeah, in honor yeah. of it. Oh yeah, I've heard y'all yeah, talk dude. about Blade Two. Yeah, I think Blade I, Two is amazing. Need to just do a Blade Two. Podcast. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I think I. Um, I don't know how I could possibly give that a score. 
I think I was remiss like, in perfection. bringing up Tokyo Godfathers <laughs> and Paprika is the opposition. Actually, it's the only other thing I want to say, I swear, is that uh, I think the only reason I wouldn't necessarily rate this higher, just thinking about his Uber, is that um, Paranoia Agent exists. And that, for me, I guess, is the other like really good execution on kind of a lot of the same kind of themes. It's the only reason that like I wouldn't automatically define this as like his absolute best or all right all right all right but i agree with you like it is seminal no no i'll go watch paranoia agent and we'll get back wait have you not seen paranoia agent (laughs) i'm not no oh okay yeah well there you go i've seen i've seen i've seen parts of it and i know what it's about i just don't see it as i don't see it as on the same level as this but again i haven't watched it yeah it's very different it's 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 yeah it's like comparing uh you know what it is it's like it's like comparing like the the killing versus 2001 a space odyssey yeah. to do another like right which is exactly the, why, the, why the killing I think is like stanley it's... kubrick at his most lean and great and simple and or barry linden maybe is a better example yeah <laughs> like the other one's just huge and ridiculous yeah. and all over the place and <laughs> yeah ambitions out of the control you know like which knowing yeah. that it's very unlikely to change my opinion about perfect blue okay is probably what i is, is what i would you tend say to be is, more of that person you tend to perform just like tight perfect you know, yeah. Little no, I, that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I mean, Blade Runner is one of my favorite, and there's that's there's true. Nothing, that's a that's a jangly yeah. movie. Yeah, it's got I, I, th- I like I like movies to be on the extremes of that dynamic. I don't like middle of the road. I like it to either be tight like a Swiss watch or loose like a floppy something don't, like don't ears. Go there. No. Don't, 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 what? No, like don't ears, don't, like floppy ears, like dark ears. All right, all right. <laughs> Like a, like I didn't a basset like, hound's like ears. I Big just, I don't know. Basset hound. <laughs> uh, you guys are too dirty for me. Uh, you guys went there. No, I'm just joking. Just I, the rules I really of improv. Everyone's mind is in nope. the gutter. I did. I did it. We know you too well, Jack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's okay. I can't lie to the internet either. I know. <laughs> oh, God. I ripped my underwear. Jesus. I just like. Sorry. Okay. That's TMI for the Movie Gang off. Podcast. This has been Trevor Flynn. Bye. <laughs> Sandbag in the scores. And Ben Howard. Shut up. <laughs> I had to get one in there. <laughs> uh, talk to you And I've been your host, Jack Newman. Head on over to the movie gang at the Tuscan Shed Media Network.com to see all our other podcasts, including Geek Space Nine, just ending up on their new, on their first run of Deep Space Nine. Go check that out. Also, check out Animania, where you can see it. I think this episode might get released there eventually, but you can see a lot of episodes. We just recently were going to be releasing. Oh, what did we do this week, Trevor? Starlight Review coming out this week, which is a uh, weird goddamn anime that's really surreal as fuck with a giant uh, with a giant mystical giraffe that you can go check out. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's fun. It's about uh, it's about it's it's a magical girl series about girl about uh, girls doing a review and battling each other with like uh, with the theater themed weaponry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Anyways, go check that out. Also, head on over and you can check out the pen and paper pod as well as all of our other podcasts. Podcast, go check those out at TuscanChedMediaNetwork.com. From everyone here at the Movie Gang Podcast, thanks for listening. It's weird to think about it being like my own avatar as Jack Newman. Too bad I don't... No, I don't. going to say it's not too bad that I don't have a stalker. I want like a weird stalker to be like, why aren't you your podcast self, Jack? That's weird. <laughs> You're too nice. You're just a butt on the podcast. I'm like, I'm not a butt. God.